On a steamy September morning in 1963, at the Walt Disney Studio in Burbank, California, a 17-year-old Henry Gaines sat across a cluttered desk from a cheerful man named Phil Morrow and waited, trying not to let the depth of his nervousness betray him. Morrow flipped the pages of Henry's portfolio as if he were leafing through a magazine in a dentist's office. The shiny plastic pages caught reflections of the desk light whipping past, image after image. There were three clear steps to being hired as a Disney animator. The first was to have your work viewed, reviewed, and approved by Morrow. The second was to draw solutions to animation problems in a tryout book. And the third was a four-week audition, during which you were given modest assignments and schooled in the Disney methods. After that, you would either be dismissed or offered a job. Morrow's office was air-conditioned, and Henry was dressed in a light shirt and khakis, but he could still feel the dampness on his back, as if somebody's hand was there. Nice lines, Morrow said. Thank you. Henry straightened up in his chair and twisted slightly, hoping to unstick the shirt from his back. He pulled at the short, sparse hairs of the beard he had spent the last month coaxing into being. Everything of value to him was in this man's hands. Henry studied the wall behind Morrow's desk. Cells and sketches from past Disney films, some drawings of non-cartoon animals, a set of Mickey Mouse ears suspended from a nail, with small models of other cartoon figures filling each ear like tiny passengers in tiny twin boats. Any formal training? Morrow said. He didn't look up as he asked the question, so Henry couldn't tell what answer he was expecting. Yes, Henry said. Any formal training not by mail? Henry looked down. No, he said. Morrow left the portfolio open on his desk, lit a cigarette, leaned back in his streamlined blue plastic chair, flapped his tie onto the center of his short-sleeved button shirt, and proceeded to tell Henry that he would never be getting this chance if it weren't for Mary Poppins. For the last decade or so, Morrow explained, Disney's films had been mostly live-action, and most of the studio's animators had been working for the Mouseketeers show, for Disneyland, or for the coming World's Fair. Morrow took a long puff of his cigarette, then flicked his ash vaguely toward the garbage can beside his desk. But Walt's been trying to land Mary Poppins, as it were, for nearly two decades, he said. And now he's finally got it, he wants to do it with live action and animation. Without a hint of warning, Morrow dropped his cigarette into a frog-shaped ashtray and reached into his top desk drawer for a hard pink rubber ball. Grinning hugely, he bounced it with force and precision on the floor beside Henry, up onto the office's rear wall, ceiling, and back into his hand. Henry laughed in wonder. How did you do that? Years of practice. There was a single loud thud from the other side of the wall. And the deep desire to annoy the hell out of my neighbors. 
Clearly that's working, Henry said. Morrow repeated the trick gleefully, this time tipping his chair slightly as he reached to catch the ball. Right then, he said, putting the ball back into his desk drawer. We're arranging a tryout class to start in a few weeks. There would be about ten of you. That's if you get past the tryout book. Are you game? Morrow asked the question casually, asked it as if its asking hadn't just conferred meaning on Henry's whole past and, equally, hope for his future. I made it? Henry asked. You made it so far, Morrow said.